Hello and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Thank you for joining us for a seat at the table. Tonight we're going to be talking about, in our series, Breaking the Stigma, specifically stigma related to mental health, our experiences with access to services for mental health and resources that we have found helpful or have people have used. So that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. Seated with me tonight, I have Rachel. Hey. Jamie. Hi. Kim. Hello. And Jen. Hello. And I'm Tabitha. I wanted to start a little bit with just talking about the stigma related to mental health. You know, I think oftentimes when we're considering whether we should get help for mental health for ourselves, for our children, we think about what are people going to think? And especially for us in the category of anxiety, we think of that anyway. We're constantly wondering and thinking about uh, what people think of us and our choices. It's hard to open up yourself to ask for help, especially if you don't know what help you're actually needing. So, you know, you might think I can go to my doctor and just tell them I'm having issues with depression or anxiety. But articulating that in a time where you're feeling those feelings is sometimes super hard. You know, I think there's a shame with mental health and an image that it means that you're weak or that you have some flaw in your personality if you have, you know, mental health struggles, which we all know is not true. It's a normal human experience in lots of ways, but it has changed dramatically over time. You know, it used to be a lot more quieted and a personal struggle that took a lot of effort to bring out into society and talk about. I think now we have a little bit more of a leeway to say we have terms for things, you know, postpartum depression, different categories of anxiety, depression itself. I know for me, when I was going through uh, my experience with postpartum depression, I definitely had thoughts of like, is this really what I'm having? Is this what's happening to me? And I didn't know at the time that it was, so I couldn't really articulate to a professional, this is what's happening to me. So I think there's a lot of thoughts about what people are going to think of you if you seek out help and climbing over that shame associated with it. What do you guys think? What are your thoughts on on this? So relatable. Yeah. I think a lot of the stigma is also how we think of ourselves, because I feel like as moms, you're just expected to be strong and you're expected to take care of everybody and, you know, do all the things for all the people. And I think that's a hard realization to come with that you need help. Mm-hmm. depending on your personality you know just because the expectations of a mom is just to like you're the superwoman and I think it's really hard to admit that weakness even to yourself like even if you're not admitting yeah. it to anybody else for sure I think that's you know I think it's a struggle I think it's a pressure that society puts on us and then we put on ourselves as well um but it's you know it's not weak to get help it, I feel like it's mm-hmm. actually sometimes takes more strength you know that's instead great, of like Kimmy keep going and kind of chugging along and chugging along when like there could be something that could like ease things up for you and help you. And that in turn helps your family and your children. I think when I went through it, that was one of the big things that like I kept telling myself and it's like, well, my kids deserve me to be my best self and I'm not being my best self. Like I knew I wasn't being my best self. So that was like one of the things that like I had thought about, you know, myself and I'm a little bit older, like it, you know, wasn't as talked about before. And it was kind of those things that you just, people just didn't really talk about, you know, I think we definitely have come a long way. We have a long way to go for sure, but we definitely have 
I think made some definite progress in that respect. I think it's the education of it, which has come a long way for a lot of people. But I think all of us as like parents to autistic children, it's relatable in that like when someone hears autism, they have something in their mind that is autism. That's what that looks like. So to relate that to mental health things, you know, when you say depression to one person, they might automatically jump to like, oh, she's suicidal or, you know, or they're weak. You know, you're worried, I guess, about that stigma from everyone else that they have some idea and they're going to look down on you for whatever reason that is. I also think it's like a thing for me, it was like hard to admit that to like a professional, even to like a doctor or someone, because I was afraid they would tell me I was wrong or like, you know, I think we've all gone to the doctors with problems before, like medical health issues. And they're like, oh, that's nothing. Or it's so you're kind of afraid you're going to go in and they're going to like, look at you and be like, what are you talking about? You're fine. But get over yourself. Just these things that probably aren't true, but we like make up in our own minds. Well, and we're so vulnerable at that point too. So to have someone like reject you or diminish you at that time is really difficult, I think. Yep. I agree. Even sometimes hearing support when you're like down and out, you're like, oh God, I wish somebody would just tell me the truth. Like you're hearing someone being supportive and you're like, oh, believe me, if you knew, like, you know, (laughs) I, I feel like help is this like little tiny four letter word. And in so many ways, it's hard to access. It's hard to, you know, we've, we've talked about these things certainly in Planaville, like it's been hard, but like, once you get there, there's these actionable steps that you have to take when you're deep in this mental health struggle. It's not like my partner was going to call the doctor and be like, my wife is having a breakdown. You know, it's like, I had to phone the doctor, find the people that were willing to take new patients, go through the whole Rachel Flanagan, like do the intake fill out the damn paperwork. You had to be in it enough to follow through on all of those things. Then the day finally comes after, you know, you call with a mental health crisis and you're like, we'll see you on the 17th. Freaking great. That's of next month of the month after next. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We have a patient, new patient appointment in 72 days, you know, anyways. So you finally, you have to put your keys in the car that morning. Like you have to crank it over. You also have to put your car in reverse and then you have to leave your home. You have to leave your home Yeah. when you're all vulnerable. You have to pull into that damn driveway and you have to get out of your car and park and then function while you bring your keys and you walk through the door. And like it, there's so many steps where your head space wants you to turn around. Like, oh, this is the perfect point. You can be like, oh, I forgot my chapstick never coming back here. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I will tell you because that if, if you're like nodding along and you're listening that there was this moment after this wicked vulnerability and this commitment to bettering myself and like finally following through on getting help and saying where I was at was not normal and all of that. Like I'd faced it enough to be at this goddamn appointment. I was vulnerable, like fiercely brave for one whole hour. The guy kicked me out. I had a diagnosis, two prescriptions to at least start this like treatment and $7 later, (laughs) it costed me $7 to fill these two prescriptions. By the grace of God, I have this insurance. That's like not particularly awesome. Doesn't even believe in autism for my kid, but 
my mental health medication is $7. Like I can save my life for seven bucks a month. It's like the best news ever with that follow through. And much like that birth control hassle of like, they'll only fill it this many times before you got to have that cold duck experience. You have to go back, but it, it is good to like reconnect with someone and touch base about how it's all shaken out. I mean, at least you're in as a patient by then. Yeah. I don't know. I just, there's a lot to getting help. It's like, it's not sweet, but $7 later, my daughter has a better mom. I have a, like a will to continue. My husband has a partner. I don't feel like a zombie and I'm not hiding my heart. It's just like, I'm free for $7. Like they always say, it's like easier. It's always easier not to do something, but that doesn't mean it's right. And when you come out on the other side. Well, and I've said that so many times trying to get like when I've been in my darkest spaces and a family member or someone will tell me like make an appointment to talk to someone about this. I legitimately cannot take the steps to make an appointment for myself. Function right now. You've had a law practice. You like manage two autistic children. You cannot make your own appointment. I can't. And I've said that before. I'm I'm like, I want to make the, I don't sometimes take my pills. My daughter takes pills every day and I've never missed a dose of hers. You know, I could balance my pills on top of her pills. I'd move those goddamn things. Yeah. Stupid. Another thing is it's almost like sometimes you're afraid of what to say because as a mom with children, you want to sometimes be careful of like the things you say. Like I know when I only have done counseling once and I was in a really, really bad, desperate place, like for me to even do it just because not because I'm like some great superwoman. It's just my nature. It's just the way it is my role in the family. It's whatever. Um, and I remember calling and it is, it's like, now you have to call the insurance. That was the first thing, which is like a nightmare. And then our insurance has like this weird thing where like you have like an eight week benefit. It's called something before your mental health benefits will start that you have to find a place that accepts like that type of benefit. And they're like, well, why do you think you need help? It's like, I want to be like, listen, if I'm calling for help, (laughs) I, I think I was like literally calling from the pond. Like I was at the pond with the kids and I was like, literally, and my anxiety was just so, so bad. I mean, Mm -hmm. I couldn't really function. And I had to go through this whole thing with this like random person and say George this is Ugh, happening I hate that's that. happening like I can't breathe my heart's palpitating. you know blah 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 and then once I started and by going, the way this like, is helping this is helping yeah. George thank you and I then um that. you know and then you got to find a place and then you have to then I have to call the place that they found that accepted that benefit and like make an appointment with them and basically go through the whole thing all over again and it is it's kind of like a scary thing like you don't want to say yeah for me I'll anyway, say I don't know if that's like part of like from growing up in the city, it's kind of like you're, you don't talk to the cops. You don't talk to, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You stay, you stay clear of DCF. Like you, you know, you don't like talk to anybody. You don't tell anybody anything. It's literally embedded in me. So it's, that's like a, you know, that's like a hard thing for me. So then you have to go and do it again. You know, I have notes here that I type to like in here so that I would remember that I literally sat on that couch in the first moment and thought this guy's a mandatory reporter. And I burst into tears and I'm like, he's like, what, this is how this goes like pressure cooker. And I go, well, I'm really sorry, but I'm about to tell you that I am here. Cause I just told my husband, I want to die. 
I have this actionable plan. I have these letters penned. I have this, this is my whole truth. And I feel like you're going to lock me up. And my kid is in such need of me that if you, if I tell you my truth and you have me gone for 72 hours, what the f- is going to happen? Like it, you don't even know. And I said, well, and that's why I can't go anywhere. So like I'm sitting on your couch and I'm really sorry. And I'm terrified. I feel like you're going to have me taken away. And he's like, okay, so that's where we're going to start. And so I want to say this out loud to the prior Kim and the prior Rachie that they don't take you away. I mean, I got help in one hour for $7 and it might not always be that, but they don't take you away. They're not, I mean, you're getting help. It's a process, but they're not going to lock you up. My fear would always be like, they're a mandated reporter. So like they could call child services and they can. So you do have to be careful what you say regarding that, but not because you have, of having anxiety or mental health problems. I was never afraid of them taking me, but like, it would just be like, if you say the wrong thing, it's just more stuff that's just in my head and not the fear, the fear of it. Yeah. Not the truth that that's going to happen. And that's rooted in stigma, isn't it? Like that's the whole deal. It it is. Yeah. What do you think in this space about stigma and mental health, Jen? For myself, it's like a joke because mine is with my OCD and how that affects my day-to-day life. But, you know, like I said, it's kind of more of a joke. Like you won't walk on Jen's floors and bring your socks when you go to Jen's and, you know, that kind of stuff. But with my daughter, I don't want to say there was shame in it, but she was so young. And so people just didn't understand it. I think it was Rachel, you know, six-year-old. My my daughter was eight um, when she was diagnosed with her mental health issues. But it felt strange to talk about it. Yeah. You know, because she was so young. So he was five when she was diagnosed and I, it's real. Like you just feel like, Oh my God, like, aren't I supposed to protect you from needing to deal with these parts of self? Like, doesn't this come after middle school? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think too, you hear, I mean, I heard all the time, like, Oh, kids are just being diagnosed with everything these days. And you know, there are people out there that are just like, Oh, you're just using that as an excuse because you're not a good parent. So that runs through your mind, you know, because you're like, no, this legitimately is what's going on. We couldn't figure out what was happening. Then my child's diagnosed with this and it makes sense. But you know, there's just those people out there that just kind of suck. And you're like, no, this is real. Kids can have these things, little kids. Yeah. And we didn't know that before, but now we do. And it does make sense. And now we can help our children. So yeah. Kaya's pediatrician is actually a mental health specialist for children on the spectrum. And then I think, you know, weekends or whatever it might be. He also works in the clinic for children on the spectrum 13 and up uh, that have mental health issues. So, you know, he, he just said it's very common with children on the spectrum to go hand in hand with mental health issues, with anxiety, with mm-hmm. you know, bipolar, with just with everything that comes with all of that. I think sometimes it's like, well, it's just autism and it's just a given they're going to have this. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of parents don't talk about it, which builds on the stigma, but I don't blame them because for one, it's your child's private thing. We've all discussed this before, like whether or not you want to talk about that, that's up to you. That's out to your child one day. So it is like a murky area where like, I think with adults now it's, we're talking about mental health more and all these things, but people don't always want to with their kids. And so there kind of is a built up more stigma because of that, because we're not, it's not as open or talked about all the time. Social media, everyone has, you know, we all have public pages and I know for myself, there's other parents from my daughter's school and other, you know, people that, that follow it. So 
I think I'm a little bit more cautious now, actually what I do share because it's her business and I don't feel like Betty Sue's mom needs to know what's going on, uh, you know, day-to-day stuff because people judge your kid. It doesn't yeah, it was- so. <clears throat> I was just going to say that, like, it's the fear of judgment from other yeah. people, just because they don't understand, you know, they don't yeah. understand because they don't live it and they're not exposed to it. And it does sound crazy that a four-year-old could have anxiety, like, and it is part of the stigma to it that, and people just don't understand what they don't live. They, you know, it, it's yeah. not necessarily that they're coming from a bad place, but they're just basically ignorant. They don't have, can I always say? That if I didn't have a child with autism, I would never understand, truly understand. You could tell me about it. You could tell me how you don't sleep, but I'd be like, well, they must sleep. Like, right. I can't not sleep, you know, <laughs> that, right. And I, you I talk it, about that. Like, yeah, you know, our, the language <clears throat> taking sleep, for instance, like my daughter slept for two to four hours more often than not for a very long stretch of time. And the language that I can use around that is doesn't sleep, very little sleep, blah, 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 blah. Like it's the same language that you'd use if you were getting six hours and you really yes. prefer 12 At, or like if you're getting 10 hours and you really prefer. And I did read this article that was rather eye-opening that like exhausted isn't just exhausted like for other for for people it's like holds a different currency in their how they function like I really do fine around four hours like did in high school I need now I can tell you I need four hours of sleep or so three to four but I really need some Rachel Flanagan time right there I need that as much as I need the rest anyways it's interesting because you can only say really anxious, really shy, really tired, mm-hmm. really sensitive. Well, and I think too, like when you're dealing with providers regularly, like we are, you've been through the gamut of personalities. So you have the really compassionate person who wants to hear you out, who wants to help you as best they can and listen to all of your things. And then you have the person who has compassion fatigue, where they've heard these stories for a hundred times. You're not the first person saying these things, you know, they're worn out by their job or their system that they're working in. And you get a response when you're in a time of weakness, seeking help that is jarring Mm -hmm. when you're reaching out for a hand to, to hold or support you, you know, and I've said this before too, when people have recommended at different times, not currently, but at different times me to seek out help. I have said, I don't want to go through my entire history of every single thing that has happened to me till now. I just want to deal with the problems that are happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're, I don't want you to make a chart about how I got here, you know, help me with the problem because it's too exhausting to think of sitting in front of someone and going through all of those things for the hundredth time before we can actually start the work on what I need your help with right now. You know? There should be like a, let me show you my stripes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my kid is six. She was diagnosed at four. I've been through exactly 313 evaluations. So here's the short story, a-hole. Can you just uh, check these boxes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and to, oh. to like some of those calling like you'll call to make an appointment. You leave a message. They call you back. I work full time. 
they leave a message then you call back and leave another mm-hmm. message and it's by that point I'm like what the hell I don't want just email me what are your times that are you time, open? Yeah. Send me an email with your he, slots that are open and send me the paperwork too ahead of time. So I don't have to sit an extra 20 minutes in your office filling out your intake paperwork. I always ask for paperwork ahead of time. Me too. Yeah. I do too. Always. I do um, too. But I think that here, and we're in, I'm in Canada, you, you ladies are in the US. Here, it's not a matter of, you could literally can't get a doctor here. And we talked about this before. Like You, you literally cannot get a doctor here. And without a doctor, you can't get a referral anywhere. And without a referral, you can't get an appointment. And when you do get an appointment, Kaya was in crisis. And when I say crisis, I couldn't imagine it being any worse than it was. And it was a one year wait list for a psychiatrist. It was a one year. Yeah. So two rolled in at the same time. And one was the one that took her off all of her meds. And the second one was like, he, he made a, an offbeat comment to me. And I said, with all due respect, sir, we were in crisis a year ago. We're not in crisis right now. And he, because he was so put off by, you know, Hey, we, you know, we've worked through this. This is what we're doing. And it, it was like, dude, it took you a year. <laughs> like a lot's changed in a year. So that's well, I think, I think the hard yeah. part. You can't get an appointment anywhere. That's a lot of the issue really is what it comes down to is there is such a high need and a high demand for mental health services. It can, mm-hmm. it does not match the number of mental health professionals or places that you can go to or resources that there are. And then that's before you even deal with insurance. So I think what happens to these people, like you can't ever go to a counseling place. They always leave it. I've seen it happen to my sister time and time again. Like every time she goes and gets with someone, they go, they go to somewhere else that happened to the person Mm -hmm. I finally found with my eight visits. She was like, Oh, I'm opening my own practice. And I'm like, awesome it's just so hard and then I think what happens is they become so desensitized that you just become a number like you're just it's my husband always says they don't care they don't care about you and and I don't even think it's that it's just they just you're just like a number you just get you in get you out get you in get you out it's like you're the 1215 they're not I'm not saying all obviously there are you know people that go above and beyond but a lot of times, and there's just no repercussions. It's like when you have people that are in a bad mental health space and you're not helping them when they're reaching out, like when they're really at the end of the Or you're helping them with the first thing that you do to help people. Not everybody needs 10 milligrams of Prozac because that's what you're like good at writing quick after not listening or like having your mind made up before you enter the door. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know me. Listen to me for a minute. It's a lot. That's part of the stigma, like that worry that that's what's going to happen. And it's- sadly does happen a lot like yeah well and that's the thing is the overworked people who have high high caseloads they're spent to the max yeah and I personally have had amazing experiences with therapy I am pro therapy I'm yeah. you have to find the right counselor that works for you and fits for your personality for sure if you go to a counselor and they don't fit your personality don't stay with they them because it's not yeah. going to work it's just going to make you feel worse but I have had a variety of therapists (laughs) in my (laughs) childhood and adult life. And I think that it can be super beneficial once you actually get to walk through the door to Mm -hmm. sit on someone's couch and discuss your problems. It's getting there, you know, and I talked about this in another episode, like I would have never been able to do therapy in my twenties unless my therapist, Robin, who was amazing, 
worked out a payment plan for me because I didn't have insurance. And she just happened to be a kind hearted person who worked with me, you know, yeah. you don't get resources. You have to pay them to get the resources, right? Thank you, Robin. Yeah. Sometimes it's the people that are answering the phones and stuff that are the worst. Oh yeah. yeah. Like there's such a barrier. It's usually once you get into somewhere, like it's okay, but it's like, you know, sometimes some of those people are, they're so rude. It's like, you're working at a mental health place. I hate when it's a nice receptionist and a doctor where it's like, yeah, that's too. Hey, uh, can I talk to Kathy out front instead, please? Because she seems really resourced. I think they just get jaded, though. I mean, because they get a lot thrown at them in a day. They do. I mean, yeah. they, they get, uh-huh. and so you get hardened to it, you know, and you've that's kind of hurt. It's, I mean, it's not right. I'm not making excuses. I'll be very clear. But, I, you know, on the flip side of it, it's like, how many times can you bark at somebody? Right. Well, yeah. Well, and that's the thing I was talking about with compassion fatigue. It's like you are putting so much energy out into the world over and over and over and over again, every single day, you yourself are tapped out emotionally. And so you can't, you don't really have the resources to listen another time to someone else, especially someone who's in a mental health crisis calling to make an appointment and you telling them you, they don't have an appointment for 30 days and you're like, what the hell, where's why do you not have an appointment? I need resources now, you know, like it's either side or, of the coin. I just feel like the whole from top to bottom, you know, the system, nobody yeah. talks. There's no communication uh, from, as Rachel can say, from the emergency Reach. room to room C5, 10, 18, there's yeah. no communication there. Just like there's no communication with Kaya's pediatrician to the neurologist and the psychiatrist. Nobody talks. Like, it feels like, like everybody wants to pass the buck, right? Yeah. Like, and it's like, can we all just come together for 10 minutes and have a conversation and, and maybe someone throwing something out there, but it's, you get bits and pieces and no one ever knows what's going on. Well, it's like, and you, you as know the that. parent are supposed to be that person the in between. But they don't believe anything you say. They're like, are you sure they said that? You know, they'll, you'll get things like that all the time where it's like, you're like, well, I'm not the professional here. Why don't you talk to the professional? We can work this crap out. But no, it's like, you're the go-between and you're like, I didn't go to med school or I'm not a doctor at all. Which always blows my mind with the technology that space that we're in right now. Like you yeah, but don't you have 13 apps for your kids? I mean, Yeah. That's what oh. I'm saying. It's like, can't we put it in one place? Can't we? Or let's start an email stream. Everyone can be included. <laughs> like we have technology to make this work. Hey, we're here on Zoom. Yeah. How about everybody jump on a Zoom call and we're talk about the resources or oh. not resources or whatever it is, you know, like it seems impossible to get every person in the same room to talk about the same thing that you're trying different pockets of professionals. You know, it's just really crazy. I find it maddening. <laughs> but also, like, what are they supposed to do, too? Because it's their profession. Everything is set up, like, especially if you're working in a system that is governmently government provided, like government insurance, they're the end all be all of decision making on how things go. So if they're deciding how things are billed, then it wouldn't make sense that they could all get together because you can't all bill for the same hour that everyone's together, you know? So it's like a money, it's always a money driven thing for resources for sure. Yeah. Billy talks about how it's so siloed 
Like, yes, there's just so many different lanes. And like when we got our recently, we sort of re-engaged with a county mental children's mental health caseworker. And she's like, what are your expectations of me? Like, what is this role to you? And I said, I just need somebody where like, I dump every appointment at you, to you, follow up with you. You hold all the things. Cause like the covers busting off my binder. I can't carry it. If I give them a clearance to you and you hold all the things, bingo. Like, please, please hold the yeah. things. Just be yeah. the organizer of this situation. <laughs> Cause I am so hard. Yeah. Well, and then if you think about dealing with your mental health, dealing with your kids' services, functioning as a family, working, money, you know, all of those things dumped on it on the plate, like getting resources feels exhausting. Like, oh, I have to talk to another person about my whole life. Please pass. I don't want to. Well, it's also like the reality of childcare, especially if you have a child who has to go to a lot of appointments. If you're working at all, that's all your all your time off is taken up. You know, you're you don't have the time. And I think also if you are in the place of depression or anxiety issues, those things are gonna weigh on that because that's part of the problem. It's like, well, I'll solve this problem by not making that time for myself so I can handle all this, you know, which, you know, when you're in that space, that logically sounds okay. Cause you're like, like, okay, you knew this, but like, you know, like Rach was saying earlier, you know, she finally did it. She took the steps to go $7 later. But Jane, to that, I mean, it really was a lot of bad days, like probably a year building to that where I really didn't feel that great one day in March of 20, what the hell ever. And then (laughs) I, you know, like I just didn't get out of it. I didn't recognize it. I thought I could muscle through. And then suddenly like I had nothing left and the, everything that I have is going to this kid and I'm a, like, we're failing there too. So can Mm -hmm. somebody throw me a life vest? Yeah. (laughs) And I think too, um, you're dealing with depression. Everything is such an effort like it yeah. really is so it's like yeah. even making a phone call is just feels so heavy so it's so difficult and yeah and then it's like Jamie said and then it's like finding the time to get somewhere like I don't yeah. always have an extra hour in my day between what's going on with the kids working of course it's silly you know you have to you know you need to fill your cup too like you need to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of everybody else but like it's really hard to find that I like, God, I hate that saying. I know yeah. it's true, but Thank you. but when you're in that mind space, it's really hard to think that way. Really it is. Yeah. 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 Because it's like, it's just the basic things are not being met. Out of they're you. not being met. Like they're already not being met. That's why I'm calling you. Please pick well, up and that, that's why please that let me in, you know, the phrase of just get help is so Ooh. hard to swallow. Yeah. Like, okay. It's not there's no just get help. If oh. you have someone down the corner that I could walk up to and sit on their couch in 20 minutes to talk about my life, that'd be great. But and have not, that person be trustworthy, please. And that's not the reality of how it yeah. works to get help. You know, like, I think, especially when you're thinking of like, um, socioeconomic people who don't have insurance, who don't have the resources, who don't have some of the skills that it takes to navigate systems and you might not you have know, a car. 
might not have a car, have to take the bus, might not have a cell phone, for that matter of fact, that they might have to borrow someone's cell phone. Like, it's unrealistic to say, get help, just get help. And even for, you know, myself, I felt that way. Like, I've had, you know, moments where people have said to me, legitimately said to me, you can't make time for yourself. I'm like, I literally cannot make time for myself right now. I can't. I know I'm struggling. I know that this isn't going the way that it should go, but I also cannot make time for myself right now in this moment. And you saying that to me is not a well, <laughs> please it's don't like, say that. Or if you want to call the person and make the appointment for me, that would be more helpful. Than but you the, the flip side is <laughs> when would, when could you make that? Because you work Monday to Friday. Yeah. And any time you do have, you are taking someone somewhere. Yeah. So it's, it's not even a matter of not even wanting to not make the time. Yeah. There's literally not the time to make. Yeah. Like, Hey, um, psychiatrist, future psychiatrist of America and Canada, the Americas, <laughs> the Americas, uh, please have an anytime fitness platform to your business. Yeah. We would like to nocturnally call in at 2am in the darkest moment of life. Oh my gosh. An actual help appointment. Thank I was you. Thinking that at the salon. Cause you know, salons are generally like eight to six or whatever hours. And then they have a Saturday and then they're closed on Sundays and Mondays. I was like, why don't they have these salons that are for nocturnal moms? Who's <laughs> like your hours Hell are yeah. 8 and you save $10 for no blow dry. Cause you yeah. only have to bed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 8 PM to two in the morning kind of bar style salon service. Anyone out there who wants to make that go for it. But they should also have an espresso counter at your front. Yes, espresso counter, snacks, massage, all hours of the day. That brings us right into resources. Like, how can we self-help? Yes, this is what I'm thinking. Like, what what can we do? But it would be amazing if there were other hours of the day that aren't an eight to five situation where you can go meet with a psychiatrist. You can go see a therapist, you know, and there are therapists that work outside the eight to five hours, you know, 7 p.m appointments saturday appointments there's more Just of those with me... covid like more of the these pop-up on like virtual appointments or now they have like these texts with a counselor oh, or yeah. a person but Better those help. are kind of hard right now because it's like a murky thing where like okay are you a certified counselor like what are the credentials to be you know and hopefully that gets refined out to be more helpful but at the same time you know if you're texting with someone and they're having a mental health emergency are you going to be able to really help via text I don't know well and there's something about sitting in a room with a person feeling their energy seeing their tears fall on their cheek you know sharing a space with them that brings in a different literally like that makes you want to throw up yeah body language is everything actually if you could leave me in the zoom for the rest of my life (laughs) I can just uh, hang up away from getting the f out of here I do not like to be down the halls or in the space or behind the closed door not even if a golden retriever's on my lap what about like a confessional like a (laughs) put me in the cabinet yeah zoom me from the cabinet please yeah that's where you I mean open up the energy you know I mean like it really is it's where you get those moments where they see you hopefully at that moment for them more than just your number or the 1215 appointment. 
you get yeah. that human connection. And I wouldn't exactly. be, maybe people who are more like from a generation of texting or a generation of interneting, I don't know, <laughs> talking you through the internet, meeting, like meeting through the internet. Um, maybe it, it, it works better for them. For me, I would have a problem being vulnerable via text. I just feel like my cadence or my um, expression doesn't come out as well if I'm texting something. I can delete a hundred times what I and edit what I'm trying to say. When I'm in a room with someone and I'm crying, it's just flowing out the way that it should be. You know. I was just gonna say, I think if you're you're texting, you're you're more guarded. You have more time to think about it. Like yeah. I was saying before, body language is everything. And I think if when you're doing it behind a text, it's it's so impersonal. It's not. And I think that sometimes too, for people that are in a deep, deep funk, maybe that's not the best thing for them. I think, you know, they literally need to speak to somebody. And there are things that you can sometimes do for yourself. Like I found there are things that help me when I'm kind of in that middle ground where I'm, you know, in a funk, not quite in a depression yet, or with my anxiety, I've developed strategies over the years. And some of them sound very simple, but like they're things that really help me. Like sometimes getting involved in a TV show, binging, like it just takes me out of that reality. And that's what I need at that time. I just need to get out of reality and just get into another space. I mean, for some people, it could be reading a book. It could be- I spend in, money, stupid yeah, amounts um, of money. Another thing that really helps me a lot is the sun. Like if I can get out in the sun, like it helps, that helps improve my mood. Like vitamin D, yeah. It really does help in just getting yourself out of the house. And I know that it, it could be like so hard to do it, even if it's just to go get a coffee or, you know, pick up something at the store. You know, those are things that have helped me. Not to say it's going to help everybody else, but it's not always realistic to get to a counselor. It's not always realistic to get to the doctor, whether it's because you're getting in your own way or because there's no appointments available or because you keep forgetting to make the call, whatever it may be, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, strategies that you can develop to help yourself. Take a shower. Big believer. Take it. I'm a big believer. I mean, all sarcasm aside, you get in the shower, you wash your body, you wash your hair. You just, it, it literally kind of resets you just a slight tiny bit, maybe just enough to make that phone call. And in finding somebody that can understand, even if it's a friend, even if it's somebody from a support group, if it's a family member, you know, just finding somebody who can kind of just understand. So when you talk about it, they're getting you, they're not going, everybody has anxiety, you know, everybody gets to play us in the car, go in the car. Play this podcast real loud on the speakers and talk back to us. The whole time. <laughs> we'd love it. Yeah, we send love us a guys. message. Send us a message. We love to hear messages from. I don't know if you guys that. have things that help you guys. Music. I'm a big music person. Yes, so music. Helps picking up, picking up a guitar or mm-hmm. mandolin or piano or whatever other instruments in this house <laughs> usually helps. Um, when I'm definitely when I've been in my darkest spaces, I used it frequently as a teenager and a fancy drink coffee usually uh nature getting out in nature like usually always out. yeah mm-hmm. always helps it if you can feel the sun I'm with you if you can feel the sun on your face if there's things larger than you that are around you and surrounding you it for some reason brings you to a place that you are smaller mm-hmm. in this world maybe things aren't as heavy as they actually are you know, because there's big trees and there's the sun shining and the, you know, birds are chirping and 
life is existing around you. Life is existing around you and it's not so dark once you're out of your space. Or if you live in a place with winter, um, I'm sorry for you, first of all. But second of all, <laughs> says Phoenix. Says I love Phoenix. my winter. Yes, says Phoenix. If you're a snow person, put on a snowboard, go sledding with the kids, drink some hot cocoa, which is amazing when it's snowing out, shovel that walk. You know, that's those- never gonna bring me happiness. <laughs> if I'm with you, I'm like you, you, you. I'm done. You yeah. lost you me. Are you putting me back talking? into a depression? What the hell is wrong with you? What's I said, for those of you that love winter, yeah. not a, on this podcast, <laughs> I love winter, but I don't sho- love shoveling. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I go do some self-care, huffing my <laughs> off on a sidewalk. <laughs> and, and another no. thing that helps me a lot is um, if I can get to the beach. The beach is just at peace. And sometimes I'm like, why do I not come here more often? Like, this is just kind of, I feel like there's like a dance in the kitchen. There's like a, I, one of the things that I didn't really realize in coming through and I, maybe I already said this, I'm sorry if I did, but I didn't realize that I would lose my hobbies and no effing interest in regaining those same ones. Like I look at my supplies for art and I'm like, oh God, remember who I used to be? I can't. And so like, it's, it's weird, but I'm trying to dabble in like recipes or like Moroccan food or now like you've got just a podcasting hobby. I'm a podcasting hobby and I'm addicted to jalapeno limeade. So I'm going to start making that soon <laughs> thank you traders joe's who yes. does not sponsor this podcast episode but we thank you <laughs> for oh, your flowers and the jalapeno <laughs> thank you for your jalapeno limeade that rachel no, bought but- seven seven jars of <laughs> <laughs> but like there's a choice like my mom used to say that if your underwear and your bra match that you are doing something for yourself where you're like <laughs> razzle dazzle underneath here like there's always this like moment you can take I'll just stay clean. Hey, I'm like matching you show off. She would love for me to say that she shot with the Marshalls. Also not sponsored, but you know, like you have these little moments of good fun socks, fancy (laughs) drinks. I love a fancy drink. Michael Jackson in the car. Going back to what I said earlier, like a lot of the work was accomplishing after I had making the appointment, getting those eight days under the belt surviving the whatever, like, I think I said in the first episode that I had letters written my first like effort in self-help to get through it was to call each person whom I had written a letter to and explain that this is my struggle. This is what I needed to say to you before I couldn't say anything else. Like, I want you to know that you mean this much to me. I'm struggling this bad. If you need to like Think of me on a Tuesday because the clock hits 1234. Call me, text me, send me a moment because I'm dying over here. Like I might not respond to you because I'm a jerk like that. My kid's really complicated. My life's really hard right now, but like I see it. It means something to me and I love you that much. I, I love you so much. And it's through that and the follow-ups with the people. I mean, that might've just been like the weirdest Thursday that they had ever had, but <laughs> I've connected with everyone more and I can, now that I've said the shit I needed to, I can just be myself in a room. Like I don't need to like be masking this, like 
fantastic shampooed Rachy. I'm like, oh, it's recycled. It's going <laughs> to run away. I'll just. Even outside of like you having to do that point to like do that is to let people around you know, like, hey, I'm struggling. Preach, that's I'm, yeah. Whether yeah. or not you can get help in that moment from a professional, just saying to people like, hey, so they're aware of that. We always, you know, part of the stigma is that people look happy yeah. sometimes or they're, you know, smiling and living their life mm-hmm. and then something hor- horrendous happens or you find out that they're actually been in a really dark place. So if it's all you can do, just let someone know. So they know to check on you and further back tell people you love them. Like, I swear to God, please tell people you love them. Like if you have meaningful relationships in your life, you don't know. There are people in my life that came over to my house on a morning that was so hard and sort of like the finish of what was going to be. And she showed up, she showed up, she drove 45 minutes because she wanted to just see how I was doing. That's what happened. You just are supposed to tell the people. You love them when you love them. I love you guys. Like it, it matters because you don't know who's hearing that on what hard day. It really matters. You don't know who's hearing that. You don't know how much days every person they need has. to hear that. Yeah. Right. And, and every person, we don't have certain moment that we all are going to leave this earth. It, we could, anything can happen on any day. And I've learned that more so that over this last year than any other year of my life, you know, it's important to tell people that you're struggling. And I think for me personally, I struggle with talking about how hard things are for me, especially if other people in my life are having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot open up myself to someone who's also hurting. It's very hard for me to do that. And I think that I need to practice that more because it's good for me to say I'm having a hard time. Yeah. Just like you, you know, let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's talk about it together. Well, I would like to point out you ladies, and I say this with love, (laughs) are pit bulls because I was in a bad place a while ago. I fell into a very dark place and you ladies every day, each of you text me. You just told me that you love me. You told me you were here for me. You didn't smother me. You gave me space, but you checked on me every single day. Lucky for you, you live across the border. (laughs) We almost came to your house. (laughs) If it wasn't a pandemic, we would have caravaned. Can you say caravan? Well, I think, you know, that's a, that's a real deal. Like you have to have people whom you can just be real and authentic with. And I will say, because of my experience in calling all those people, like everyone has struggled in one way or another, everybody's got some strength to offer. If you make yourself open, there's a net there. Everybody's got somebody and there's, there's like good in every day. Like if you're looking for it and you're trying to help yourself call a friend at the table. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, that's, that's our episode on stigma, you know, talking about access to resources and our resources, which turn out to be people in your life. (laughs) That's our best resource that we have at our hands. If you feel like you don't have people, there are people there waiting for that call. Thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the table for episode three of our third series, Breaking the Stigma. If you are enjoying our podcast and wherever you're listening allows, please remember to rate and review us. 
To join in on the conversation, make sure to follow us at facebook.com slash table for five. You can also email us at table for five podcast at gmail.com. Episode four is coming soon and we'll see you then.